Welcome to episode 120 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Podcast Network. I'm Steve Garshinsky, and I'm joined today by Ryan Top and JP Breen, and this is our Rise of Skywalker spoiler podcast. Yes. Are we going through spoilers? I I will bring all... The- I'm going to spoil it. You're, You're the only you one. You haven't seen it. I haven't so. seen it yet. I'm the only one that can spoil it. I don't think JP cares. He's a little bit younger. I don't know if Star Wars matters. I have only seen the original Star Wars. I've never seen a single one after that. You never saw the prequels. Well, you are better off for it. Well, I never saw the, the original half of Sith. I never even I never saw the original three. I literally mean the first episode, the first movie. You saw that's it. all I've ever seen. The you original, never... the one they called Star Wars before yeah, it was a New you know, Hope episode four, yeah. all that other garbage. Yeah, I don't know which one that is, but like the first one that ever came out. So you never saw I've Empire seen. Strikes Back? No. That's a hole in your... You need to see that. That's a very good movie. <laughs> Look, I'm going to tell you one thing. If we're talking about pop culture holes in my resume, there are a lot of them. And I don't think that Star Wars is the place I need to start. I've like... There are a lot of places that I need to to fill in. Actually, Steve, this is going to be the Micah Potter appreciation episode because he's getting a standing ovation. He's just coming into the game for the first time. We're recording on Saturday. So when the Brewers do something really big on Sunday and you're wondering why we aren't talking about it, that's why. Because we're recording on Saturday. So... Uh, but yeah, Micah Potter. There we go. Great. Micah Potter, Star Wars. Anything but the Brewers so far, I guess. Anything but the Brewers. And what's funny is we have so much to talk about. There are a lot of moves and nothing that's like. No, no, super, no. There's good. There's good there stuff are, in here. There are good moves, but there isn't the splashy move yet. Well, I mean, there's very interesting things to talk about. There's some sizzle, but no steak in the soft season. I mean, there's a lot of sizzle. I don't know. Or is what? it just all grizzle right now? It's not grizzle. It's like the vegetables that go with the... I'm thinking of fajitas. So it's like the... It's the vegetables, but there's not like the meat. Wait, 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 wait. So when people would say all sizzle, no steak, you were specifically thinking about like a fajita being made every time? Because that's what sizzles. Have you never gotten fajitas to the table and they bring them their sizzling? That's You think that is the only dish ever prepared that has sizzling meat in it's it? It's the only thing that sizzles when it comes out to you from the, the restaurant kitchen, though. That's the thing, is it's the thing that sizzles. By the time everything else gets to you, the sizzle has stopped. The sizzle of fajitas continues until it gets to your plate. Ryan, you need to eat somewhere other than Chili's. You can help people <laughs> find this podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. Email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page. You can also follow the three of us on Twitter, and you'll find that when we drop the podcast on Monday. I'll link to everybody's Twitter handle on our tweet. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast network, you can visit patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Our ball glove patrons and above receive the monthly minor league extra podcast and the reporting is eligible weekly Packers preview. Milwaukee's tailgate is sponsored by carbon four brewing and their English style malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. You know them for the great beers like dragon flute block party. I'm reading this like I've never read it before. Dragon flute block party and their flagship fantasy factory IPA. Uh, out now at K4 is Threat Level Midnight S'more Stout. This beer always goes fast, and for the first time, it is available in cans for you to take home. So get out there uh, for the all-day party celebrating this one-of-a-kind beer on Kinsman Boulevard on Madison's East Side. As always, get 20% off merch in the Carbon 4 web store with the promo code MKE Tailgate. Check out Carbon4.com for more information. Carbon 4, beer brilliance. So we had a move that we kind of were discussing like it was going to happen. We thought it was likely to happen, but it hadn't officially. We didn't know anything about terms. So Eva Sayil 
Am I saying that correctly, JP? Yes, sir. Uh, Garcia uh, signed a two-year, two $20 million deal uh, with the team option for a third season um, based on plate appearances. Yeah, so, and the way it breaks down is it's a $500,000 signing bonus, um, $7 million in 20... I'm not an accountant. 20. I don't care. Well, and then, like, it's... So it's a little backloaded, is my point. So they pay him a little bit more next year, and then there's an option. It's $20 million. How backloaded is it? Mm, a little bit. So anyways... Uh, it looks like Garcia is going to be an outfielder. I think there was a little bit of speculation originally, like they bring him in for first base. Or no, 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 no. I thought there was a little bit of first base. Well, whatever. We have our musical chairs going on in the outfield right now. Well, no, the thing they did say was that he was going to be a, a left center fielder. fielder. I thought it was left fielder. Well, no, no, hold on. Well, yes. he, he's going he's gonna to split time between center and left. What he's not going to do is play much right field because they said Yelich is going to be in right. Well, and that's what I was going to get to. Is Ye Christian Yelich is not getting moved back to left field anytime soon. Right, because uh, Garcia does have a better arm than Yelich, and you might think that that would place him in a position to be a right fielder ahead of him, but now they're just going to leave Yelich where he's at, and then uh, Garcia will see some time in center field. I think it sounds like he's going to be kind of Kane's backup, which it'll be interesting to see if you're trying to fit all of that together and get Gamble playing time, how that's all going to work. And I think it probably means, and they've not been totally forthcoming about this, but like, I think it probably means we see a lot of Braun at first base. Yeah. I, does this partially, JP, do you think this partially just manages Kane's innings in a season? Because again, he's not a young guy. He was suffering through some injuries this past year. Um, you know, it's not a bad idea to like not play him nine innings every single game for 162 if possible. Yeah, I mean, Garcia is not a great center fielder. I don't think they're going to want to play him there a lot. I think this is much more of a scenario in which they can kind of chop and change all all kind of as much as they would like to do. I think my guess is they'd probably like to get uh, Garcia 450, 500 plate appearances over the course of a year. Uh, and that'll just kind of come where it comes. Uh, it's during interleague, you might see him DH a little. Well, you'll probably see Braun DH and you'll probably see Garcia in left field, but you'll just kind of see them move guys around as much as possible to do this. And I think the other thing that we've seen is the last couple of years, you know, Braun is going to spend time on the IL. Kane is maybe going to, you know, get a little nick here and there and need to spend a little bit of time on the IL. I don't think they're really worried about getting uh, Gamble um, regular playing time. I would expect that they feel comfortable with him no matter what, but he kind of has a profile that he doesn't necessarily need regular playing time. And I don't think you get a lot of value in playing him regularly. He, I think if he gets in a, you know, a game or two a week, I think that's fine. And is more than a pinch hitter. He'll pinch hit most games. I would assume. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think he'll pinch hit quite a bit. Uh, it depends on kind of the, the, the lineup, I guess, if you have kind of Braun at first, if you've got Garcia and left, you've got Kane and Yelich in, I think you probably see Smoke as kind of a, a key bench bat uh, rather than Gamble, maybe earlier in a, in a game. But I think in large part, Gamble has shown he's an ideal fourth or fifth outfielder. And he's a guy who can play a lot of different positions. He brings it in from the left side. And what the Brewers are doing is what we've been talking about the last couple of years. And it was something that I wasn't necessarily sure was going to happen in this way in the offseason. But they're just uh, they're going after depth across the board. And they're just like, we're going to throw as much depth at, depth at this as possible. And we're going to take the, the idea that, 
over 162 games. It's going to be a grind. There will be time for everyone, and we need guys who can play multiple positions, and we will move them around as necessary. So speaking of moving guys around, Ryan Braun, first base, is this going to be a thing? Is 2020 the year that we're actually going to see it with like some regularity? Well, you thought that maybe that was going to be the plan and that they were going to bring in a guy who was purely like a left-handed, an Eric Thames. And they brought in Justin Smoke, who's a switch hitter, and I think we'll see time. That's on the rundown further down. Yeah, no, I know. Well, you already mentioned his name, so I felt like I had the uh, go-ahead to go ahead on well, that. Well, I did. I did that. Yeah. Oh, JP, JP did. mentioned I did it. Oh, okay. So, anyway. We said it is a spoiler-filled podcast. Yeah, it is a spoiler-filled podcast. So, I think that you're going to see him. Well, considering he played zero innings there in 2019, you're going to see him play more there in 2020. I think he needs to do it just because he needs to give himself options to get on the field. And I think first base would be a place he's more likely to get on the field than, um, you know, like center field or right field. So it's really just like left field and first base are kind of, well, right. Those are kind of his options. Well, well I guess DH it, when they have I was, it. I was going to say at the same time, this gives a great opportunity for my uh, 2019 prop bet to come true. Uh, so it's going to be great for me. It'll Which just be a little works. late. You can, it'll just be, it'll be just like in 2018. I said, Zach Davies was going to have the best ERA and that just turned out to be 2019. It was no big deal. And then it's going to just, I'm always just a year behind. Yeah. The, uh, his, the, the, I mean, 28, his, the 2019 ERA leader immediately. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which just shows, you know, how sustainable those things are. And, um, the other thing, too, I would say is I know we had mentioned it in the past, but I'm pretty sure this kind of shows that the Omar Narvaez to first base thing was never really part of the plan. And yeah. and maybe I mean, he, I could see him if injuries happen in the same way that like Grandall got there because like, you know, Aguilar and Thames weren't producing enough and they like needed to get a bat in at first base that was decent. And they figured out a way to make that Grandall. Uh, but. I don't think they ever really wanted Narvaez to be at first base. I think it was one of the things that they were just like, you know what, if we don't sign, if we don't find anybody that we like at first base, then sure, we'll do it. But like, it's not our plan. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of, uh, this whole season just feels like they're going to shuffle everybody wherever it fits well, at any I, moment. I mean, yeah, we have I so many guys still to add to the mix that we had to talk about. It's, it's Yeah, amazing. I was going to say, but I like, I, I wrote about it on Twitter, but you know, uh, this feels like they're being the race. Right. It's just get a bunch of people who can play a bunch of different positions. You don't have a lot of stars. You've got a lot of guys who are useful and they're all going to need playing time. And you're just going to just play them and play them and play them. And you're going to send people down who have options to to the minors. And you're just going to keep as many guys as possible on the roster and uh, and hope it all kind of comes good in the wash. Yeah. Uh, so the Brewers made a move signing Eric Sogard one year, four point five million dollar deal. And after the last time we saw Eric Sogard, I think everybody's a little shocked by this. Yeah, and I mean, we should go ahead and look at what he did last year. He had a career year offensively in uh, 2019, playing uh, in Toronto primarily, I believe. Um, he was so much better than what we had seen last time. We have to kind of take into account that they're clearly planning on, I think he's he's going to play third base primarily i don't know if he's going to be their primary third baseman we still have to talk about ryan healy because he's added to this mix as well but i think he's going to at least go into the season as their primary third baseman because if he's not well then what is he is he like he, he's not at shortstop because you have urias and arcia there you have 
uh, Hura, uh, sorry, Hira and uh, potentially Urias at second base. Like he's not really ahead of those guys. So you have to think that it's probably third base, which is weird because he doesn't really have a normal third base profile, but he did hit for more power actually than he ever had in his career before in, in 2019. So, Everybody did. Yeah, that's true. And so it, this gets into, I know you, uh, you mentioned that your new favorite thing was me trying to figure out what the Brewers moves meant in context with the uh, ball. Yes. What's going on with that? It, it is my favorite thing. Ryan thinks every move is in relation to the ball being unjuiced. Or juiced. Or what does this mean about what they think it well, is? Well, but you, you've you assumed with every move they've made that the ball is unjuiced. Um, I, I think they figure that it's... Yeah, because the last we saw was a well, significantly I, I, less juiced ball in the playoffs. Well, part so. of it is it seems like the hitters they've gotten have had more power and the pitchers they've gotten are... I don't know, contact guys. So they don't have like big strikeout numbers with Brett Anderson and the rest. So that's, that's what your assumption is, is they're guessing the ball is unjuiced. So coming into last year, by the way, what would be 11 career home runs? Yeah. He had 13 last year. Yeah. It seems sustainable. It's, it's definitely weird. But then again, there, you can point to a reason for it. You can say, well, wait, so this goes against your unjuiced uh, theory. I don't know what they're doing. It's all, None of it makes any sense. I, I mean, okay, it does hold make on, sense hold in on. the J- sense. JP, how much depth is Eric Sogard adding to this roster right now? I mean, because he can kind of play everywhere. Is that going to be his main uh, reason for being on this roster? Yeah, I think that they would like Eric Sogard to be their utility guy. I, I think that if he ends up playing third base because they don't have an upgrade there, I think that it's something they can live with. But I think they would like him to be able to play a lot of different positions and be a better version of Hernan Perez. Sorry to bring up. Well, and that's the thing. Hernan Perez. Can can he pitch? Oh, I, he could absolutely pitch. We should probably mention Hernan, too, because uh, he signed with the enemy this week. So well, stop. that'll happen. Shut but your what dirty I will mouth. S- <laughs> but what I will say is if you're looking uh, at, you know, how sustainable his his 2019 was in terms of his power output. Yeah, he did have uh, 13 homers. That's more than ever. But if you look at some of the StatCast stuff and StatCast, <laughs> I, I don't this. think we I don't think we have anything in terms of StatCast that w- we can say that it is uh, projectable going forward or like it's predictive. But it does a pretty good job from what we can tell in terms of describing what actually happened. It's it's a pretty good they're pretty good in terms of like descriptive stats. But if you he is in like the bottom five percentile for exit velocity, he's in the bottom third percentile for hard hit percentage, his slugging percentage, his expected slugging percentage, which takes into consideration some of the advanced stats is in the bottom 12 percentile. So, no, he hit 13 homers, but he was definitely not hitting the ball very hard. Um but what I will say is if you look at the StatCast stuff and they do a bunch of things in terms of trying to figure out what your expected batting average is in terms of like balls in play, launch angle, uh, the kind of given a launch angle and exit velocity, should it have been a hit or how often are those kinds of things hits? Uh, and he actually is uh, quite a bit above average in terms of that. So he's still a, kind of the same guy we've seen for a long period of time. He's probably going to give an empty average. He's going to be able to play a bunch of different positions going to give good at bats he'll walk a little bit he's going to be a good clubhouse guy and i think that as of right now he's going to be the third baseman but i think he is a third baseman as a fail safe option and they are still going to be looking to upgrade that position 
Well, and another guy who could potentially be a third baseman is Ryan Healy, who they signed this past week, correct? Much more of a first baseman than a third baseman, but he can take a gloving stand at third base. Well, and he would have to because he's had hip issues, correct? Yeah, he he did have hip surgery. He is supposed to be ready to go. Uh, apparently, and uh, shout out to Kyle from Brew Crew Ball for catching this. Uh, the number for his salary still isn't like really known, but apparently on Sport Track, Sport Sport Track, whatever it is, um, where they track player salaries and that su- and stuff, uh, he is a one year, one million dollar contract. And the Mariners turned down. I think it was. Uh, estimated $3 million in RB for him. So, again, another Ooh. guy that the Brewers got for significantly less than what they were projected to get in RB. Shock, shock, shock. Yeah, way to go. You know, everybody in Wisconsin should be thrilled by this because I think everybody likes to get a deal. Yes. The right? Bar- yeah. No, it's- you got a bunch of cheap-ass Germans in this state. <laughs> Coming from the cheap-ass German, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, it was totally worth it. I got a deal on it. Yeah, well, I... <laughs> As long, Dude. as long as the price is right, it doesn't matter what you got. Like Man, I, I, think I, I got a deal on it, so it is a good buy. Uh, uncle of mine who lives uh, just outside of Fitchburg, like if he gets a good deal on something, it's like literally all he talks about whenever we get together for family stuff. Just the whole time. Is more, just, it's more important than so whatever stoked. the thing does. Yeah, or like whether or not it it does it competently. Yeah, it's it's it was a great deal, and he just absolutely just loves it. It it's you know loves the deal and then you're like have you used it and he's like well I, you know not yet but yeah we'll we'll see we'll see I, you know i only need to use it like once or twice and it pays itself off <laughs> exactly right yeah, yeah you know what it's like yeah. i think the the thing about healy for me is um i think yeah it, uh one year one million dollar deal but the key is, is he's got three option years and i think that might be the big thing here because if you look at uh well, we'll do it after we talk about smoke. I'll okay. Wait. Well, hold on. We well, do no, have a Patreon gonna... question from PJ Wessels, and he does yep. ask: Is Ryan Healy the least exciting of the many signings so far? Well, if if uh, least exciting means uh, probably not very good, then yeah. Like, because Ryan Healy, let me tell you, if you need a dude who's going to hit about two thirty five, have an on base percentage well under three hundred, and strike out a bunch, he's your man. He might he might hit twenty bombs though. Yeah, I do have to point out he spells his name all wrong, so that's big down to his uh, his mom and dad for inflicting that on him. Right, it's all, Ryan. It's almost as bad as uh, the R Y N E, the Ryan Sandberg spelling of Ryan. Well, he's a Hall of Famer, so you can't say anything. But what about, about that one? What about R I A N? Also incorrect. The only correct way made, to spell it is like no, the no, Irish no. last name. Sorry, he made the best Star Wars movie. Oh, there's that. Um, no, uh, I thought it was going to get pushback. I thought you were going to yell no, at me no, no, saying I, Empire was the best. Empire is the best, but that's whatever. I, I don't want to argue about that. I do Last point Jedi, out, kill the past. My, That's what we're doing here. It's like the 82 Brewers. we got to kill the past. My grandfather got really mad when he found out. My grandfather is 100% German, uh, and he, uh, <laughs> he got really mad when he found out that uh, his daughter-in-law was naming her firstborn son Ryan. He was really, really mad about it. Too Irish? Yeah. No, that's exactly what it was. He was really, he was really mad about it. It was very on brand for him, apparently. I don't he died when I was like eleven, so I don't really remember him that well. But yeah, it like it was really very well on brand for him. So he hated you as well? Yeah. Like he was he well, my brother was gonna be named Toby. <laughs> and he really hated that. Like he, I think he said that kid wouldn't be allowed in the house. So <laughs> He ended up being named Ben, though, so, like, you know, it, it worked out okay. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, the Brewers signed Justin Smoke uh, for four million dollars in twenty twenty, five and a half in twenty twenty one. Is that an option year? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so he had a down year in twenty nineteen, and Smoke's kind of interesting because he he was a, you know, a guy that definitely got prospect fatigue coming up. Oh yeah, he was somebody that like Keith Law had is it was, like, it was one smoke, of his top. 10. It was Smoke and Hosmer were the two hot first base prospects coming up at the same time. Smoke took a long time to kind of figure it out. He had a couple of good seasons, and last year was a down year. So JP, uh, you know, another guy was he in Toronto last season? Yes, okay. last couple of years. Yeah, so he spent a little while in Toronto. They're going north of the border to get a bunch of their players this year. Uh, what are the expectations for Justin Smoke? Is he the primary first baseman for this team next season? Uh, primarily, yeah, I think he'll he'll play it depending on how much they think Ryan Braun can play first base and how much they'd like him to play first base. I, I think that he will be the primary guy. I also think he'll be the primary guy because even though he is uh, a switch hitter, he tends to be better from the left side. And so I think in terms of, of power, in terms of profile, in terms of like at first base, what does a combination of Justin Smoke and Ryan Braun look like? In general, you would want uh, anyone at first base who is against righties, you know, Ryan Braun's right-hander, you can kind of work that platoon that way a little bit better. So I think he's going to be the primary guy. Uh, I think he's like, you know, a lot of the guys that they have been getting, he's demonstrably fine. Yeah, he had a very unlucky year last year. He had just some some things that you wouldn't really expect based on the uh, the underlying numbers. MLB Trade Rumors did a good breakdown of this. I linked it last week on Twitter um, and then brought it up again this week when the Brewers actually signed him. He was, yes, he gets shifted more, and that does seem to be playing into part of why his BABIP was up 220. It was really low last year. But he's actually putting the ball on the ground less than he used to. His So his uh, line drive rate was up, and he is hitting the ball just as hard as he ever was, if not harder according to uh, the advanced metrics. So I think you can anticipate a bounce back season for him this year. I think he is going to be better than what he was last year. But probably. like, you know, I was when you say he's when 33 you say years he's, old this year. When, when you say he's hitting the ball on the ground less than he ever was. I mean, is that true? Is that true? Sorry. I mean, less last... than less than last or than the year before. Sorry. He was hitting less on the ground uh, in 2019 than he had in 2018. Yeah, but pretty much his career average. I mean, it was 37% last year. His career average is 38% for ground balls. It's it's pretty much exactly the same. Right. It, but the point being that the BABIP going down wasn't a function of him all of a sudden hitting a bunch of weak grounders. That wasn't what happened here. Sure, but okay. We had a guy who took a little while to break out. He finally kind of broke out a little bit and was a, a pretty competent first baseman. He had a down year. Like I said, he's 33. Like, what are we expecting with this trajectory? They they gave him a one year deal. They have an option on him. It doesn't sound like the Brewers are like sold. Like, I think if they can catch lightning in a bottle with them, they'll be happy with it. But it's, I think they'll also I, cut bait with them really quick if things don't work yeah, out. I, well, say, I, I mean, cut I th- bait with anybody that they have right now. Yeah, I think th- I think the entire point with smoke is what we've been seeing is with everything that they're doing is they want to at this point, it almost looks like they want to reenter the free agent market every single year and look for deals that they like on one year deal every year. 
I think that is around the the centerpieces of their roster who they think are pretty good. And we actually have. Right. Yeah. They want to have a core and then they want to be on a a one, a one year deal, maybe a one year deal with a, with an option or something. And they can go and look for deals where they think around the edges, they can kind of improve this sort of thing. And they want to, especially with pitchers. And I think, again, I, you know, I thought when they cut so much, payroll space i we knew that they were going to spend it and they have been spending it but i thought they were going to be spending it on like one or two pretty big upgrades to continue to build around that core and then try to be on the cheap side uh, around other areas go for pre-rb guys you might see some kind of internal depth step in especially on the pitching side i wasn't sure what was going to happen and instead what they've been doing is kind of throwing around four or five million dollars at a bunch of different players that they think who could you know, they think could outperform or like outvalue that, that contract. Uh, and it's been a lot of like, can you build the same roster or a little better roster than you had last year in the exact same way for a little bit less money? And I think that they've shown that they could do that quite well. It's just a little underwhelming. Yeah. And I mean, they still have plenty of time and there are plenty of free agents out there that could potentially upgrade this roster so well I there, think aren't the, a, the, there aren't a lot of good ones no i think the other advantage they have right now though is the core they have is really good when you have a christian yelich to build around and you're not trying to hunt for that elite talent then this can kind of work well i mean yeah. your, your your core like five players at this point would be uh yelich and hira on the hitting side woodruff and hater on the pitching side and i guess canable like those would i don't be, know you decided five was the core yeah, I think maybe it more maybe it's more of a four, a core of four than it is core four. Yeah, maybe it's that. I mean, uh, to be to be frank, too, depending on if Urias breaks out a little bit, he could be one of those core. He absolutely, yeah, absolutely could join that group. Yep. But I think in general, what you've seen is you're exactly right. They've had a core, and they have been like, we can build around it in a very efficient way, and we can be able to supplement these guys through free agency in the market in a way that we didn't feel like we could do it internally. But my point was that they had the room to add to that core and not just supplement the core that they could have built more of a star, not, uh, not necessarily a stars and scrubs sort of thing, but like, is there really that big of a difference between, you know, an Eric Sogard at $5 million and a Ryan Healy at $1 million? probably not and that's been one of the big reasons why you've been seeing free agency continuously crumble because at the high end those guys are still getting paid they've been getting paid but it is your you know your brett anderson's of the world who had a really nice season last year and everyone's like oh we don't really want to give you much money because you're not like a big guarantee and we might as well just go internal for cheaper so I think for me, I'm a little bit surprised how they've done this. But for folks who have been saying that they weren't going to spend the money, I think are wrong. They're over $100 million right now and committed payroll as it is. But it's just been allocated very at low level guys and a lot of them. In ways that we didn't necessarily expect. But then again, I still think they, they have moves in them and they, they might be somewhat splashy. I, I think a, a Dylan Batonsis move would not be well, surprising okay. at all. We have yeah, a Patreon question not- from Jay Google and he asks, assuming the crew is done with positional moves, which would make more sense, uh, signing a starter for three to four years like Ryu or Keiko, or go the one-year route with Batonsis? 
I I do not uh, I do not foresee a chance in hell that they go three or four years for Keuchel. Um, I I'd be surprised if anyone goes three or four years for Keuchel. I think that I, I it'd be so interesting to see what what Ryu would get over three or four years. Um, because there is going to be so much built into that with injuries, and there are going to be so many people that are are like nervous about it. You could probably get him for a pretty nice AAV over three or four years. If you're willing to commit that long, which the Brewers have been reluctant to do, to be fair. Exactly, but at the same time, I think you have also been seeing more teams willing to go an extra year because they've realized they can actually get a discount at the AAV. In general, what you've seen in the past was teams reluctant to go more years because in general you had to go kind of similar AAV. And now you're saying, guys, go and say, we'll give you an extra year, but we're going to take a couple million off the top of every single one of those years then. Well, and to get Ryu for three to four years, you're talking about ages 33 to 36 or 37, depending on the three or four yeah. year. So, yeah, I certainly. mean, is that a guy who legitimately anybody wants to take that kind of shot on? It's it's a weird thing because it can really pay off. But yeah, from I mean, one season was... to the next, it could be a huge payoff. And then you're just throwing money away the next year. Because hundred, you can't get on the hundred, yeah, 100 percent. And I think that um, the Brewers, as they've shown this year, uh, there I do not see a chance that they will go after either of them. Um, I think one year with Batanzas makes a lot of sense. I am shocked if he, because it sounds like he's very willing to take a one-year deal, and I'm shocked he hasn't signed yet. I can't believe that either. It sounded like he said, I want one year and $10 million, and I can't believe some team didn't just say, okay, done, here, take it. Or if he's yeah. really, does he want to go to some specific places? That might be more of what is going on here. Yeah, I, I, I'm not 100% sure on what it is. I also think, too, this is not a Cubs podcast, but uh, them getting Brandon Morrow on a minor league deal, super good deal for them. Oh, I have been having so much fun with my brother, the Cubs fan, this week about the fact that, uh, you know, they apparently didn't have the money for Alex Claudio. They wanted to sign Alex Claudio and didn't have Alex Claudio money, which was what, 1.75? So when they, but again, when they say they don't have it, they just meant they chose not to spend it. I know. That's what I'm saying is they won't budget. They wanted him. The, the baseball side wanted him, but could not like get the budget for it. I think it's because they're still negotiating getting the marquee network on every, uh, cable provider right now <laughs> let me tell did you see did you see all the stuff it's so like all of this hand wringing about the luxury tax and like how much money the luxury tax costs some of the bills came out and it was like four million bucks and you're like gave four million dollars like they gave ryan healy a million dollars and hey, might not even JP, play a single jp i don't know if you know this but if you tell a billionaire you're going to tax him <laughs> they get really upset about yeah, that. They'll they'll avoid it at all costs. Tr trigger well, right. warning. But this is, I mean, I wrote about this for BP. It's a perfect example, right? That I said if you said if you told the Astros that they could sign Garrett Cole, but they were going to have seven million dollars of dead money that was going to be taxed in luxury tax, they're like, well, that's not a smart investment. But if you could go and you know give Jonathan Singleton ten million dollars guaranteed, that's a great deal because he might be able to outvalue that, and you might save a ton of money in the future. But turns out that that was flushing it down the toilet. Yeah, what would they have to call it to get billionaires to spend like that? Uh, opportunity dividends. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know if they'd have to just say you get a wine cave or something like that with it. I was going to say, it's you call it a, cheer, a donation. It's yeah, a, it's, it's a, a donation. It's a political donation. It's a donation. <laughs> you set it, set it up as a pack, and it, they'll, they'll it, give that money over like that. Yeah, if you go over $180 million, you get to make a political donation. There you go. They would go okay. so damn far over the luxury tax then. <laughs> 
it's, assholes. It's, but so, but you know, Cubs fans should be happy that if their uh, if their organization is being more and more like a private equity fund, good for them. <laughs> they are going to be so mediocre, and they're going to be so angry about it. Enjoy it, Cubs fans. Uh, but they do have their one World Series, so you know they got that out of it. Anyways, uh, we have a question from Mike Demasili. Uh, he said, "Is there any chance we sign an everyday third baseman now, or is it going to be Healy Sogard platoon now that they're?" Now that we have more stability over at first base. I mean, if the market crashes on Donaldson and the fact I'm frankly shocked, I thought he was going to sign once Rendon signed. I thought he was going to be followed quickly after. And I think him and his agent are still overshooting the market here a little bit, maybe because the fact that he hasn't signed yet is surprising. And I think that there is a chance that the market dissolves on him though the fact that not much has been done in the interim means they're still probably waiting a little bit but i think there's teams out there i I thought the nationals were going to try to pay him a bunch of money to come in but i i don't think beyond him they're going to pay a bunch of money they should have paid rendon well my point is beyond him i don't think that uh there's really a massive upgrade over what they already have i don't know if you heard this but the cubs are shopping uh chris (laughs) bryant's I've heard of him. He he won an MVP once. They seem to think this is all connected. So, I mean... Josh Donaldson and, and Chris Bryant are interconnected right now. They're going to need to get, I think, a substantial upgrade over that. Like, if Donaldson were to fall into their lap at something that they liked, and I think, what do you think? They're not going to go above three years. No way, right? They, pro- they maybe wouldn't even go over two for him. Isn't he I don't 40 think, already? I don't think that he will be signing with the Brewers. Yeah, I think it's, it's an extreme... It w- the market would have to collapse on him. And the, the Brewers would then swoop in. But given what he got last year and how well he performed, I, yeah, I, it's very hard to imagine. So I think they are pretty much okay. done with the position players. Well, JP. I will, what, what I will say is I still think, and I've, <laughs> I don't know how many years in a row I have said this, go and get Estrubo Cabrera. I don't understand why everyone hates him so much, but he is a two-win player every single year and can play multiple positions, including third base. I don't know what I, I don't know if it's like that he's old and so like people just don't like it or what it's going on what is going on with it but the dude has been a league average or better hitter for uh, one two three uh, four five five straight years like he this this is a dude who hit two sixty with a three forty two on base percentage base and hit eighteen home runs playing multiple different positions was a two win player. Uh, his UZR was plus at third base. His, the DRS didn't really like him. So in general, I usually think that that kind of comes out in the wash and he's about league average when it comes to defense. And like he's just he's consistent. He's only thirty four years old. He can still handle a little bit of shortstop. He can still handle second base. Um, Go like go go and sign him. He signed for one. He signed a one year, three point five million dollar contract last year. Well, you kind of answered Derek Harvey's question on Twitter because he said, assuming no Donaldson, is there a move, free agent signing or trade that uh, would make you feel good about the offseason? So Cabrera would be your guy. I don't know if it would make me feel good about the offseason, but it would make me feel good that like I don't understand why they haven't been in on him when they've needed him for like the last two years. Yeah, Cabrera would be a fine guy uh you know if travis shaw hadn't just had the experience he had in milwaukee i would be pounding the table to like if he had just done this with another team i, I would heard be he going, was get travis shaw but i heard he was gonna get what he thought he was worth 
Well, he wants to go to a place where he's going to have guaranteed playing time. And you look at the Brewer situation, that ain't us. Like, that is the farthest thing well, from us. If, well, he also, he also like, blatantly doesn't want to come to the Brewers because he doesn't think that they trusted him. And he's right. They didn't. Yeah, why would they? Yeah. No, and, and I think it's time for him to move on. But I'm just saying. You know, the best not- way to gain trust would be to, like, hit like you had in the past. But, like, so would you be for uh, Kyle Seeger? I'm not on the Kyle Seeger train at all. But no, assuming it comes with a price that you like, if all things are neutral, you don't mind the price that it costs to acquire him. Kyle Seeger, third base, do you think, do you like it? I think he's an upgrade over what they have, and it introduces more certainty than what they have. I would not want to pay him. Given given how washed he looked in by the end of 2018 and the fact that 2019 was, yeah, it was a nice resurgence for him and he did better in 2019. I wouldn't want to commit big money to him, even if you didn't have to give up much of a prospect. But I heard people talking about like trading Bryce Terang for him and like, hell no. I well, have no okay. interest I- in that sort of thing. Okay, so uh, big money. So Kyle Seeger's owed under 15 million. Um, in I'm, terms of his, in terms mul- of his, it's multiple years, isn't it? Well, yes, it's two years. Um, but at the same time, he's got two years and an option year. Um, and when you're looking at what's going on in general, I think he had a really strange kind of 2019. I, cause the thing is, is I'm not actually like super, I'm not really advocating it for really strongly. I'm not a hundred percent sure that Kyle Seeger's all that good. Um, I think he basically had one unbelievable month in August. And after that was just basically not really usable in any context, uh, in, tw- in 2019. So even if the price was good, if you told me that I could have a Struble Cabrera or Kyle Seeger, I would tell you that I would have, I would rather have Cabrera and not think twice. Oh yeah. I have absolutely no issue with that. Like I- even, even if you told me that they were going to cost the exact same amount of money in 2020, I would still take Cabrera over Seager, no questions asked. I'd need to look more into the comparative defensive numbers, but well, yeah. I will tell you. So, uh, in uh, May last year, you had Kyle Seager have a five seventeen OPS. In June, he had a four seven forty four. In July, it was uh, six eighty three. In August, it was one thousand one hundred and sixteen, and then in September, it was six seventy five again. So. Uh, that's one good month out of an entire year that carried his year-long average. Yeah, and by the way, his uh, his number next year is nineteen point five million and eighteen point five the year after that. So it's oh, so they just backloaded the contract. Yeah, it's it's a pretty hefty, sizable contract that he would that the Brewers would have to pay off, and I think Seattle would be looking for something in terms of a prospect back from the Brewers. But also, like I know we didn't do our our uh, minor league pod until you know this past week because we couldn't get through dial-up internet is um <laughs> sorry everybody that the, was my or, fault or the equivalent of dial-up well it's not really your fault you have dial-up internet it's whatever your service provider hey, is giving you he chose at&t they, that is true that is true um but uh so at&t is not going to sponsor us is that the problem uh well, it was a decision got, made under duress so <laughs> but we've got uh i don't even remember where i was going with this um what were we talking about? Oh, is I I don't think that like Bryce Trang is that great. I would say he's not untouchable by any means. With what you guys have discussed, I mean, he's not a plus glove, correct? No, he is. I, he's, I think he's 
he's maybe I don't think he's another worldly shortstop. I think, but he's a okay, little better. Fine. Plus, but not like not yeah. plus plus sixty, not seventy. Not something where so, the glove is going to play so high basic, that you can just so kind of get on, by. Uh, and he doesn't. He has no pop. Well, he's not going to. I will tell you for BP uh, folks, he's not going to make the top one hundred and one. Um, and uh, I, I confirmed that Ryan and I were talking about a couple days ago. I did confirm he's not going to make their top one hundred and one, which means the Brewers will not have anybody in the top one hundred and one, which is sad. Um, but I basically they're twenty five under or their top players under twenty five or something are still correct. Correct. Legit. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but. What I will say is, like, I once described Bryce Terang on Tino as, like, Nick Madrigal if, like, he didn't really hit for that good of an average. He didn't run and, like, he didn't run as much. The glove wasn't really as good. And uh, and and he wasn't and he didn't have as good of an eye at the plate. So he's like Al Madrigal. (laughs) I think actually, to tell you the truth, I think Mark made that same joke. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh yeah i mean it's just it's it's bryce terang is is like like justin smoke he's like demonstrably fine he is he's 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 the he's the lacrosse of the brewers prospects <laughs> my Ryan. my point is I wouldn't, <laughs> great i wouldn't give up demonstrably fine to then have the privilege of paying kyle seager almost 20 million a year for two years like that's not your money no i but in trying to figure out how yeah, I want to build remember, a they roster. got that AmFam money coming. Yeah, there's that big AmFam money coming. But no. Well, do you just, they they actually were just like, didn't they just sign something where it's like $10 billion being split over 10 years amongst MLB teams? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that based on the fact that we know that they're going to have a limited budget because that's how everybody does it. And like, that's what the thing is. I would not want to commit of, you know, presuming they're going to have a payroll of 120 to 140 or something. I wouldn't want to commit 20 million of that to Kyle Seeger and then give up a guy of Bryce Trang's quality for the privilege. Like, well, that's fine. I just, I just said I'd rather have a Struble Cabrera on a one-year deal than have Kyle Seeger for nothing. So, I, so I'm once like, again, we're, not, we're managing to argue about not any difference in opinion. No, I'm just I'm making fun of you that because I like to. I, I it's <laughs> it's sometimes I just have to, and like it doesn't really. I'll take on a different position that I don't even really believe. I'll sometimes do what Steve does is like take on a position I don't really believe. Just I because believe it's every position I take. <laughs> Good. Yes. Every single one yeah you know what spending the time you have with steve has made you has made you take on aspects of his personality which is you know it's it's great no 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 No, i was gonna say i think the i think the thing is is spending more time with steve has made me realize that i can get away with more of it than i uh, than i thought i could in the past yeah he he does show the way to people that way expanding minds that's what we do here uh did we talk about the 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 jace peterson thing Jace Peterson. Oh, that's right. P- JP. What J- do you know Jace about Jace Peterson? A, Jace Peterson is the JP thing. That's what I was told by Ryan before we started recording. Uh, I think that everybody who is kind of uh, trying to understand the Jace Peterson move is it's the Corey Spangenberg move of 2020. But I'd heard it, of Corey Spangenberg. You never. I mean, Jace Peterson has been in the league since he's has been in the big leagues every single year since 2014. Didn't they get like a Spang Spangenberger? To replace Spangenberg? Spanberger. 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 Yeah, They're Spanberger. all the same. Spanberger. But, uh, but basically, yeah, Jace Peterson kicked around in with the Braves for a long time. He's a He is your prototypical 
kind of like in generally play second base, but he's a dude who doesn't really hit for much power. He's got a little bit of an eye at the plate. He's not great defensively, but he can run a little bit. I think he, again, he, what he is going to be is triple a depth a hundred percent across the board. And it's, We've been seeing this when it comes to the Ronnie Rodriguez signing. We've seen it with Jace Peterson. What they're doing, and even Ryan Healy to some certain extent, is they're just accumulating depth to go into the minor leagues if they need it. Uh, And I don't think, I mean, unless I am wrong about this, I don't think that Jace Peterson was given a major league deal, was he? He was not. He had minor league with a camp invite. Yeah, so it's your your standard. uh, Well, and and they they signed Cam Broxton to a minor league deal, didn't they, with a camp invite? Did we talk about that? We did. Yeah, he came up at some point. Oh, we didn't. So miss, it's a, we didn't miss that. Oh, we made fun of the good. Mets for it. I'm sure we did. Yeah, I think that's how we kind of connected it because uh, what was the deal? I mean, the Mets gave us Bobby Wall that's and right. yeah. uh, Hill, who we turned into um, Omar Narvaez. Yes. and we for Keon Broxton and waited one season. They let go of Broxton, and, and we just picked him up on a minor league deal. So yeah. Do you guys think that uh, that Tyrone Taylor has got a spot on the big league squad no. to break camp? To break camp? Yeah. No. On the big league squad? He'd be the sixth outfielder. I mean, if he didn't last yeah. year when there was actually an opportunity. He's behind Gamble. He's behind Braun. He's behind Garcia, Kane, and Yelich. That's the sixth outfielder. Well, well, right. But I'm saying that they it he would be a sixth outfielder, but we've been talking about so much... We've been talking so much about the fact that they've got an extra position player. Yeah, but hold and, on. Hold and on. he was actually pretty good. Hold I'm on. I'm just saying that, like, it's not like he is. You were talking about him like he was utter trash. He actually had a nice year last year. I mean, okay, at first base, they have Smoke Braun Healy. At second base, they have Urias. They have, or sorry, Hura, Urias, um, Sogard. At shortstop, they have Urias, Arcia, um, Sogard. At third base, they have presumably Sogard, Healy, and I guess Urias. Someone, else, Urias. someone else they'll sign. And like, I mean, that right there, you're at 13 position players. If Ryan Healy right now would be their 13th position player. So with two catchers, you figure two catchers, five outfielders, Ryan Healy's their 13th. So if he was sent down, yeah, to make room for somebody, I could see it. But I don't know. Is that likely? I suppose. Well, it I guess I'm just the deal th- that they come across. Well, right, and I guess I'm thinking of the fact that you've got somebody like Ryan Braun, who's going to be spending quite a bit of time at first base, as currently constructed. I think we'll probably spend more time at first base than we think, uh, unless again this is just them talking about it as a potential option. They end up not doing it because he doesn't perform well at first base. But you had, I mean, like July, August, September, um, Taylor was good. And he held his own when he got up to the big leagues, and they talked about him like they liked him quite a bit. I think again, when you look at what he's got, it's uh, he's got MLB option or he's got minor league options, so they're going to use. Well, it. hold on, okay. But, so Grisham like shot past him last season, with, yes. the, with the year he had. Mm-hmm. Yes. Would Taylor have gotten the first shot if they would have been even? Like Grisham would have had a good year, but you know they were basically even as far as production. I yeah, I mean I I don't think that Grisham would have. If Grisham wouldn't have been as good, you mean would like Correct. if it just yeah. would have Grisham, kind of been Grisham had a fantastic season yeah, yeah, in the yeah. minors. If it just would have been those two performing at AAA and they were kind of the same, yes, I think they would have gone Taylor for defensive purposes. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. Tyrone Taylor, I guess maybe part of the shrug with him is, again, you know, I, I mentioned prospect fatigue with Justin Smoke and the amount of time it took him to kind of break out. And Tyrone Taylor has been just in the minors for the Brewers forever. Yeah, I mean, but he's to, just that guy July, where it's kind of like, oh, do you give him a chance? I'm like, well, no. second round draft pick in 2011. He's I, been around forever. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, and it's just uh, thinking about the fact that like he just demolished lefties last year, and just thinking about whether or not that has has a spot, right? Like, because if you've got an extra position player spot to be able to say we can carry a specialist now who can be a plus center field defender. And they and needed somebody, somebody who could hit lefties last season. And 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 because to me, it's like that's Keon Broxton, but I'm not 100% sure that like Keon Broxton does that better than what Tyrone Taylor does. Okay, I'll say this, JP. I think that if you had like a, a long-term injury, God forbid, to Lorenzo Cain, I could see Taylor being a guy that would move ahead of Matt, uh, of Matt Gamble, Ben Gamble, would move ahead of Ben Gamble on the depth chart. And if he was called up, you'd actually see him get more playing time in center than you would from Gamble. I could see that happening. But I think that barring that, you're not going to see him come up and get significant playing time in right or left. He would be a guy that would come up to play center field. So if Kane wasn't available for an extended period of time, yes, I could see it then. Other barring that, I think that they would stick with, you know, having Gamble and we talked about earlier, Avisel Garcia have taking time in center field instead. So you think their like specialty guy that they'll keep as a position player for the 26th man will be somebody that they could just kind of keep churning over in the infield? Yes. At this point yeah. I do because that's where they've signed they've spent all their signings, basically. You know, it's Ryan Healy. It's you'll see what you can get out of him if like the power plays and it works. Well, the power has never been a problem. It's the fact that he can't like get on base. That's what I'm saying. If the power plays up, I don't know what's happening right now. There, this isn't this is uh, not a video feature, but but Steve got really intense about like looking up something on his phone, showed it to Ryan, and Ryan got mad. He's about to share with the listeners when Ryan brought up uh, uh, (laughs) Matt Gamble. (laughs) It reminded me around this time, and it was actually on the state. We're recording on the 21st. Uh, 12 21 12 was the last uh, Julianne and Matt Gamble tweet, and it says, We survived. <laughs> Tremendous. 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 It was, I wonder if they're still living it, that Steve. extraordinary lifestyle. Yeah, it was oh, whatever. Worth it, Steve. Their survivalist lifestyle, I think, is what it is now. I don't know. So, Somebody asked Ben. But what I will say is, what was their Ryan? You're our our resident payroll expert. Um, what was their <laughs> what was their uh, opening day payroll last year? One twenty two. So they've still got about twenty twenty million to spend. Ish. Yeah, to, they're, to they're right around. Mark. They're right around hundred million, depending on whether or not. Well, you they're, count. On, they're on one oh they're on one oh six if you include the payments that they had for buyouts for Mustakas, Grandal, and Thames. Yep. It depends on whether or not you count those. Otherwise, it's like a hundred flat, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so they've still got about twenty million to spend. I would expect them to uh, address the bullpen at this point, which is why somebody, um, you know, like a Seager doesn't really make any sense. I don't think just because uh, it doesn't fit anything that they've done and they've shown they're willing to do. I'll say this: I don't think they necessarily need to add a starter, like a name starter, like Ryu or Keuchel. But I think that if one of them became available to them on a deal that they liked, and that would be a bigger money, shorter term deal, if you could get Keiko or Ryu for two years 
at a significant AAV, I think that might be something that Mark Atanasio would be like, oh, yes, I would like that because I would like to have a, a name starter. Because if you look at Mark Atanasio's past, Mark Atanasio has a thing for paying starters. He's the one who brought Supon to his God, you're so bitter about this. In, in, you're so on. bitter about he's this. He's the one... We know he's the Hold one on. that went he's, out and signed he's, he's bitter about this because Doug Melvin wanted to make only good deals and Mark Ananasio wanted to make bad deals and force them on Doug Melvin. So Hold nobody on. should ever besmirch the good name, the good Canadian name of Doug Melvin. I'm pointing out that we know that Mark Ananasio was a driving force in the Supon, the Loesch, and the Garza signings. Because yeah, because he signs all- the checks. Well, no, because they, it was on the record that he was he's the one that broached the topic with agents at weddings. Like, wasn't it Ryan Braun's wedding or something? He, but that, that can't be possible, though, because Mark Atanasio is cheap and doesn't spend. So my point is, is that I could see Mark Atanasio saying, yeah, OK, if we're going to well, do if, this. If Mark Atanasio wants to go out and pay somebody for that and he gets Kyle Loesch, who gives him the first two seasons where it's a sub four ERA and 200 innings each say, year. Kyle Loesch was solid. Sign me up. I hated the signing at the time and I was totally wrong. He Kyle Loesch was was good and it mattered for some Brewers teams that were competitive. By the way, have I ever brought up that, that Ryan complained about the Aaron Rodgers draft pick just mercilessly when that happened? So he, he does have a history of <laughs> no, terrible. But Ryan, no, but Ryan's face tells me everything I need to know about that. His terrible initial you takes. Didn't, you, I didn't do give, love you didn't give who I wanted instead. That doesn't matter anymore. No, but it's funny because I wanted Jason Campbell. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. It, it's Jason funny. Campbell. I wanted Jason Campbell instead of Aaron Rodgers. Well, again, <laughs> what, whoever it was going to be, it was going to be terrible in and, relation. And that's why I'm on a baseball podcast and not a football podcast. Thank you very much. But, so I think... For me, I think it would be really like I don't want to get too much into this, but if you this is exactly what we're going to do again next offseason, we're going to do this exact same thing as Brewers fans, right? Because what do they have committed to their payroll for next year? 50 million bucks. They're going to be out spending 70, 75 million dollars again. They might they might go and make a move because they do have Ryan Braun coming off the books. So maybe they look at it and say, we have more room to like put a core player in there and spend on a core player. Well, that's what I thought they were doing. That's what I thought they were doing this offseason, that they were saying that we're going to do it because we know it's coming off the books. They still might do it. They're still guys. But who is the core player? But because who, when you're looking, who are they, who are they going to go get? You just said you just agreed they're not going to get Josh Donaldson. Everyone else is bad, other than Ryu and Keuchel. Keuchel's no, no. I could see them I, getting Dallas Keuchel. I'm not. That's not a core. That's not a core guy. No, but it would be. He, he would pretty much slot in right towards the top of the. Rotation. You don't think Keuchel could be basically Kyle Loesch? Yeah, I think I think Keuchel is your Zach Davies guy. How much no, he's better than that. How much would you pay for that each year? He, you're, you're Zach Davies from twenty from twenty nineteen. Yeah, how much would you pay for that for a season? For Keiko? Yeah. I mean, he's basically been what two win player? I don't know. 14, 14, 15 million? I was gonna say, if you could get Dallas Keiko on a two year, uh, thirty million dollar deal, would you do it? Oh, uh, what I do? It, it depends on what my other options are for this year. If it means that I'm not spending on the bullpen, no. You'd okay. Well, I think with the bullpen thing, I think they will end up signing people. I think right now they're holding off. And the reason we haven't seen much movement on the bullpen front right now is a lot of teams are trying to get Batances. 
And I think once Batonsis moves, then teams will kind of settle and say, okay, we need to do something else. I think right now the Brewers are wise to wait out Batonsis and see how that shakes out. And then that might you, – you get these in off-seasons where there's guys who weirdly kind of hold up the market and, like, their decision will then cause – because if there's a bunch of teams trying to go after that guy and they think they have a chance, they kind of hold back on offering other people so it slows down the whole market. I think that's probably what we're seeing with Batonsis right now. So either that or, you know, it's just it's Christmas time and teams slow down over the holidays. JP, anything you want to tell everybody? It's Christmas time. Yeah, um, the on on fan graphs right now for their major league players and minor league players, if you go to the search bar and it kind of says like, you know, it tells you basically who are the most searched for people. And on the major league side, it's Jonathan Scope because he just signed a one year deal with the, the Tigers to be their everyday second baseman. Six million bucks. Good deal for the Tigers. They got CJ Cron for about the same amount. Ryan was super excited that the Brewers didn't do that, that they got uh, Justin Smoke. And of course, they had to give uh, CJ Cron that kind of money because otherwise, why would he go to Detroit? Um, Isn't and that the, the kind of thing you'd like? to see from teams that are in Detroit oh, position is going out and spending $12 million on CJ Crone and Jonathan Scope. If they're good, 100%. you can trade them at the deadline, add some prospects. 100%. 100%. I think that that's exactly what they should be doing. And the Marlins have actually been spending a little bit of money too. That Didn't they just go get Matt Kemp or something like that? Um, or like they were connected to him. I don't remember. But on the minor league side, can you guys guess number, it's not Brewers related, but number one minor league player being searched in recent days I have no idea. Tim Tebow. (laughs) (laughs) I forget that he plays baseball sometimes. And then I'm reminded and I laugh. I laugh derisively. Tim Tim Tebow hit 163 in AAA last year. And again, a a dude playing football for so long to just like come into the come into the minors. And he legitimately held his own over well, like three years at this point. Like he was a laughing stock and like actually like he did the thing he was he was decent like he hit 273 with a 336 on base percentage in double a in in 2018 like he was fine like he was a 38 year old you know he's yeah i mean he's still striking out like 35 percent of the time he's like chris davis without the power but (laughs) doesn't everybody want a chris davis without the power well some days you got to get what you can get right (laughs) um um I would but, like to point uh, but anyway, out, since it was since it was Christmas, I thought everybody would want to know that Tim Tebow being searched. Um, I would like to point out right now, it is very interesting. I came upon this a couple days ago, and it's been updated since. The Brewers Fangraphs war right now projected for 2020 is uh, 34.6. There's a big gap between them and the Cubs and the Cardinals. The Cubs are at 40.0. Um, oh, the Cardinals are actually at 35.4. But if you look at that and like the team that's getting all the ink this offseason and people are like, ooh, the Reds, the Reds are doing so great. Yeah. Well, the Reds are projected at 32.5. Sure. So like, yes, the what Brewers I saw have somebody, had a disappointing Somebody who does steamer projections said basically the Brewers are projected, and I think this might have been before Smoke or somebody, they were basically projected this offseason so far at the same uh war that they were the previous year, well the same the war season. that they had going into the season which yes. turned out not to be because they outplayed their war sure but does it show kind of like the players they've accumulated and where they're at yeah like this, the idea that they haven't added again people are upset because they quote unquote haven't added talent but they have they've replaced the guys that 
they had let go well, and they've done and, it for less right. than they cost. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, I think that they've improved at a lot of positions and have spent less money on those individual positions. It's just whether or not that that's anything more than like tweaking around the edges, trying to basically instead of, you know, if you were saying that they were a true true talent 85 86 win team last year if they could be you know 87 88 wins and like again if the goal is to be relevant get in the conversation try to try to make the postseason if things break right and then see what you can do if you can pull a nationals in 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 the in the playoffs yeah that's fine if if we're thinking about like being able to optimize all the different ways that you can uh add talent to the roster to be the best possible that you can be i'm not 100 percent sure that this is it i think that they've been safe they've been disciplined they've done exactly what they've not overpaid they've not overextended on years they've addressed almost every single position in a way that makes sense i just am not 100 percent sure that that is the best thing they possibly could have done i mean the only thing the only signing that I look at and I say they could have been in on that and it would have made a significant difference was the Grundahl signing. Well, at least players that we're familiar with and have been around, yeah. But I'm, I'm just saying they were not going to spend money on Rendon like he got. They obviously were not going to be in on Cole. They weren't going to be in on Strasburg. You know, those were the big names this offseason. And, you know, we look at the, the amount of money they have per season to spend right now you know, with money coming off the books and everything. Those guys didn't fit into that budget for the most part. Okay, so there's this really interesting quote. I put this on the rundown. Um, Adam McAlvey talked to David Stearns, and Stearns said that basically um, once it was clear that Grandal and Moustakis markets were going to be too high, that they were more than what they wanted to spend on guys, that they shifted to, and this is a quote, incrementally upgrade around our roster to complement what we believe is already a strong major league core. Continuing, we think that the moves we've made over the last 10 days or so, and it has been a flurry, are making progress towards accomplishing that. I think that's exactly what's happened here. Is But that's literally what I just said. No, I know. It is. I'm what I'm the the thing is, they have basically in comparison to think about what 2018 was. They had a phenomenal top 4 of the lineup top five of the lineup and then after that things fell apart remember the the sixth spot the seventh spot were really really bad i think they are determined not to have that happen this year that they are giving themselves so many options at so many positions that they will not have to take a position where they're getting replacement level or you know barely above it at any one position they want to make sure that every position in the lineup that they have players that can give them something useful there and that they can cobble together using uh, Craig Council's skills at getting guys into the lineup in a good way that they're going to put people in a position to succeed that way. But, and I do but, think that that's, that's but what the I, way they shifted. But what I'm going to, but what I'm going to say, and I know that Steve's saying we got to wrap up here is it's, it's important to recognize when you're doing this and you're giving yourself as many options as possible, but all of your options are high variance guys with very legitimate, big down uh, downsides because they're not, above average players they're at their average players uh, at many different positions you can absolutely find yourself in a position in which a bunch of them happen and they hit their downsides all at the same time and then you've got a situation where you've got shaw you've got aguilar you've got all these people that are downsides and you do not have guys you can rely on there again their strategy is depth it's not buying the best players that they possibly can they're trying to say can we get enough players that we can cobble together something and it is a hundred percent a legitimate strategy but it's it is 
a question of whether or not you can build that depth and take a couple of those guys out of it, rely on your own internal depth and be able to get a core guy who you know can actually contribute and you can rely on like they do with somebody like a Yelich or a Kane or a Hira. If you can get to the trade deadline solidly in contention, then you can address some of those things potentially on the they trade market. They don't have anything to trade. You don't necessarily have to, depending on what the player is. I don't know. He Ryan likes Bryce Terang. I think he could probably fetch something at the <laughs> yeah, deadline. Yeah. Fair point. Okay. You can you can trade Quick, things. Last last yeah. point. That's it. You can you can find trades. The Brewers have they haven't traded away well, much of impact over the last few years. They haven't had a lot Bec- of impact to trade away. And it's because and it's because they've gone for bullpen every time. Well, and that might be, you know, a thing that they can do. So Okay. We're going to wrap this up. So, you know, again, we'll wait and see what else. Their offseason is not finished. No, they're going to do something. That's a major takeaway. But no, and again, and again, it's been a, it's been a pretty successful overall offseason in terms of what they've set out to do. Yeah, well, it keeps rolling. I mean, we haven't had to do lists of something that happened the previous <laughs> season, basically, to fill time well, because they keep yeah. making signings. They've covered themselves everywhere. And now they're in a position where, okay, they don't need anything per se, but they can go ahead and target something if the the deal is right and if it works for them. They don't have any glaring holes on the roster, which is amazing considering how many holes there were just I mean, know, I mean, two weeks ago. I, I think it depends. I still think there's a hole at their base. I still think there's a hole yeah. in the bullpen. If you mean that there are guys that have done things in the past that they can put there um, and that you don't have question marks in terms of like, do you need to have Lucas Ersig there? Then yeah, they've addressed that spot. But like, Eric Sogard being the option at third base is not a long-term option. Yeah, especially even Eric Sogard as a platoon third baseman is a bad option. So we'll see what happens. Again, they have time. They'll still make some moves. So uh, remember, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash tailgate. Patrons at the ball and glove level and above receive the monthly minor league extra podcast. As always, follow us on Twitter at tailgate. You can also submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page, for Milwaukee's Tailgate Podcast Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also leave us reviews, and that helps people find the podcast. So thanks for listening, and look for us again on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Hey, the Badgers are getting a little separation here. They're up 49 to 42. It had been, like, very nip and tuck. 